Morning. How are we all? Fantastic. Hey, listen, before we get into our final installment of the new rules of resolution, just to give you the heads up that uh, Tim and Tanya, uh, or Tanya in this case, has um, brought some of her CDs called Grace, which that song's uh, taken from. They're going to be available for sale in our foyer. So I encourage you to buy one for yourself and a second one to give as an investment to someone you love. So there you go. Let's leave them with a light suitcase on the way back. Fantastic. So, first week of February, we've taken uh, the last four weeks, including today being the fifth week, to, to look at this subject that we've called the new rules of resolution. Five facts that will change the way we change. And back in January 5th, which, you know, in some respects seems like a long time ago, um, I put the challenge out there to those that were gathered here, first Sunday of the year, to say, be here for all of the five weeks that we teach about the new rules of resolution. I'm just curious to know how many of you have been here for all five weeks. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And uh, I give you props for taking on that challenge. Well done. Also, I want to say well done for having survived Elevate's Solar Vortex. <laughs> Those of you who are first-time guests here today, let me tell you, you dodged a bullet. A hot, hot bullet. Uh, we did not have these air conditioners until this Wednesday. And it was hot. Okay. It made people, it made introducing people to Jesus so much easier. Because I could say, you think this is hot. <laughs> Let me tell you about hell. So we've removed that little uh, kind of uh, leverage uh, there. But... Um, I just think that for those of you that put your hand up just now, a few decades' time, we're all going to be sitting there, you know, shuffling with our dentures, and we're going to be saying, yep, remember, remember January 2014, yep, you tell that to kids nowadays, they wouldn't believe how hot it really was, so, uh, it was pretty hot, but thankfully, that's now a distant memory, because we have new air conditioners, I'm feeling a little chilly, and I will never complain. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, so we decided for the first five weeks of this year to drop anchor alongside some instruction that, that one of the heavyweights of the early church, a guy named Paul, wrote to a, a, a church in a place called Colossae. And he gave them some instruction in the form of a letter, a written letter. And his instruction to them was as valid to them 2,000 years ago as it is to us today. And we, we've dropped anchor beside just two very simple verses, two very simple sentences that, that Paul wrote to that church. And he said to them, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. And we took from this idea, this instruction that Paul gave to the church in Colossae, this idea that that Jesus didn't just come, die, and rise again to forgive us. He also came, died, and rose again to transform us. And if we just take the forgiveness side and, and, and forget or not realize that there's actually something that is ongoing from that day forward, we miss a big piece of why Jesus came to this earth in the first place. And so... We've been taking away some, some, some lessons from this kind of picture. We've taken five facts. We're going to teach on the fifth 
fact today. But just to recap, for those of you that have been here or to kind of introduce you for those of you here for the first time, the first fact that we talked about is that change isn't a project, it's a process. The following week, taking from Paul saying, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that, that, that change starts not with achieving, but change starts first with receiving, knowing that Jesus is the catalyst for our change. Jesus, we don't change ourselves, we position ourselves for where Jesus can change us. It's not about achieving, it's about receiving. Fact number three, we talked about on, uh, where are we now? The 19th of uh, January, that it's not trying, it's training. That we've got to actually do some things in order to be successful in, tra- in changing. And then fact number four, we talked about last week, it's not a competition, it's a calling. And ultimately, what I want to talk about today is kind of part B to last week. So I apologize again for those of you here for the first time. You can catch up, uh, not uh, in the next 30 seconds, unfortunately, but you can go to our website and uh, listen to our messages online there, or you can click through to our iTunes uh, podcast feed there. But um, you'll still get, uh, hopefully, where we're going today, even if you missed one or more of the, the... the previous four weeks. And I'll just let you know, a little bit of a preview is that these uh, ideas and this teaching that we've been doing throughout January actually will dovetail into next week. Next week, we're calling No Show Sunday. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about calling next week. And then the, the week after, we're launching a three-week conversation called God's Will is Whatever. And if you're uh, one of the many people that have ever asked the question, I, I really want to know what God's will is, then uh, prioritize to be here over the next month. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said, or have you ever heard it said, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. How many have heard that expression? I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Fact number five about change is it's not what you would It's what you can. And I'm aware as we lean into this year, I'm aware that that, that some of you have been a bit stuck. By the way, I want to celebrate this before we talk about who's stuck. I really felt God declare this year for Elevate as a breakthrough year. And uh, and we've already seen some people getting unstuck and seen some some early signs of breakthrough. Johan van der Volt uh, there uh, was out of work for three months. Uh, towards the end of last year. And just this week, on Wednesday, January 28th, he started his new job as a branch manager with the National Australia Bank. So, awesome. And, and, the, and the thing that Johan and his lovely wife Beryl did, the thing that they did during that three-month period is they ran full steam ahead towards God. Instead of saying to him, you know, you left me unemployed, you know, you lost my address, they lent in, they said, they said to me, Mark, in the South African accent, Mark, we've never been to church more in our lives. And I said, that's the source of your breakthrough, mate. You, you ran to God instead of running from him. Brilliant, huh? And then we've got Sameh, he'll, don't, you can correct me later, Sidrak, our uh, Egyptian-Australian stallion down the back. He's, uh, Sam's been caught in, in what he considers a, a dead-end job, and that's, and that's, and that's cool. Uh, he's been faithful in that job, but he's continued to trust God and, 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 and lean forward, which we're going to talk about today. Um, and he's applied for the police force, and he's 
nearly ticked the final box. He's passed everything so far and has an interview this week. Uh, you passed the psych test as well, huh? Yeah. Must have been a very good psych test, but anyway. <laughs> Need to get you to go and ask the 150 questions, Tanya. Eh? <laughs> Put him through the ringer. So Sam is, is, is not there yet, but, but he's nearly there. And again, Sam just leans into God and continues to take next steps. So it's just great. But look, I'm aware that, that some of you are still stuck, and, and, and I love that you're here, leaning into God. So what I want to do today is just unpack a few kind of thoughts, a few ideas, a few principles that might actually help you get unstuck, that'll help you take some next steps towards your calling. And these are in no particular order, just kind of a, a few thoughts. You might find that you hang your hat on one more than, than some others, or, or, or you might find you, you actually resonate with, with several of them. The first idea that, that, that will help you get unstuck to moving towards your calling is that you need to understand, and we need to understand, that our calling is both present and future. The mistake that a lot of people make is, is they only think of calling in terms of something that's over this distant horizon, that, that's, that's unseen and elusive, that, that maybe, maybe by some strange twist of fate, they may get to glimpse and, and, and maybe, just maybe, get to taste in the future. But that's not how our calling works. Our calling is both present and future. See, because the world isn't changed today by what you're going to do tomorrow. The world is changed today by what we do today. And our calling is very much present and future. I remember uh, when I was 21, um, I really felt God God's calling on my life was to one day lead a church. This is when I was 21. And uh, when I was 26, I finally got around to going to Bible college, finally got around to obeying God and uh, taking a firm step in that direction for, for God's calling on my life. And I left a marketing job. I left a business development job with, with a large a multinational company, handed in the, the company car and the, and the, the, the cell phone. And uh, they weren't called mobile phones back then because they weren't very mobile. Um, and, uh, and, um, and I went to Bible college and about a, a month into, into my time at Bible college, I was walking down the corridor of the, of the facilities and, and the youth pastor of the church who, who ran the Bible college, uh, bailed me up, kind of shoved me against the wall and said, I heard a rumor that you're a marketing guy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I just, you know, a month ago I resigned uh, from a marketing role and, and I'm here at Bible college. And, uh, and she said, well, well we've got a, a, a program that we run in the high schools and we need someone to come in and do the marketing for that, maybe 10 hours a week. So how about, how about you do that? And uh, I could have said to her, no, my calling is to lead a church one day. And by the way, I just left a marketing job. Why would I want to do another one? But I didn't say that. I said, look, if that's what you need... And if I can contribute there, sign me up. I'm in. Our calling is, is both present and future. Yes, I was looking ahead. Yes, I was looking over the distant horizon and looking at what's the next step. What's today's step? What's, what's now? What's current? What does God want me to do now? And some people make the mistake of praying that God 
will guide their steps, but forget to actually move their feet. And by moving our feet, we actually give God something to work with. We give him some raw materials. Yes, God can, can pull rabbits out of hats that don't even exist. But most of the time, God actually works with something and multiplies that. And the thing is, with simple mathematics, is if we don't give God anything, nothing times whatever equals nothing. If we want God to multiply, if we want God to lead us to, to ultimately fulfill this perhaps bigger calling... We've got to understand that our calling is also now. What's now? What's today? What's the next step? Be faithful with the opportunity God's put, us, put before us today. Because it's not what you would. Change starts with what you can. But then what's important to understand is that today's steps lead to tomorrow's destination. Now, the journey is not always linear, Okay. I mean, if we designed it, it would be, right? God doesn't. Uh, I think he's got a pretty wacky sense of humor. Old God, you. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I start because I started this this uh, this job while I was at Bible college. This kind of contra deal, uh, doing marketing for this high school program. How, how does that? look like leading me to one day leading a church? Well, in my view, it didn't. It was just about a next step. And then actually, what was kind of wonky after that is, is my next step is I, is I led a community services organization outside of the church. Well, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the trajectory is towards my calling. And, uh, and I went from that to, to leading a, an area back in the church. They let me back in. Uh, and... Um, and, uh, oh, and then they let me out again. I went to running this global thing uh, for a few years. But all of this was, was, every one of those steps was the next step. Every one of those steps was giving God something to work with. Every one of those steps prepared me. Whilst I was making a contribution then, I was also being prepared with skills, experiences, relationships, so much that God has used. And so we need to understand that our calling is both present and future, and that today's steps will lead, not necessarily linearly, but will lead to tomorrow's destination. Because with God, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. God turns all things to good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He doesn't cause all things, but he can use all things. Nothing's wasted. I've met people, the reason they're not taking next steps in their calling is this fear of failure. What if I take a step into the unknown, take a next step, and what if I fail? Ever, ever, ever had that kind of mental arm wrestle with yourself? What if I... Well, without trying to heap guilt on you, we need to understand that if you don't take a next step, you've already failed. Because we aren't giving God anything to, to work with. We're not making a contribution we're also, by avoiding failure, we're, we're, we're missing a tool that we can add into our toolbox, which is, is lessons we learn from failure. Uh, very famously, Thomas Edison, when he was working towards inventing an electric light bulb, uh, he, he had a, his latest uh, iteration didn't work either. 
And someone said, you know, obviously you've failed. And he said, I don't consider that I've failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. We can learn so much, even from things that don't work. It's kind of a process of elimination sometimes, providing we learn. So a better question than doing nothing is to ask this question. What can I do today that would enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today? And we've talked about this in the last few weeks. It's not change is not trying, it's training. It's about the preparation. It's about building these experiences, building the skills. Yeah, we might not yet be able to step into our ultimate calling, the big, glitzy, glamorous one that sits over the horizon. We might not be able to do that today. But what can I do today that will enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today? Don't just sit in idle. Don't just sit with your gear in neutral. Take a next step. Keep training. Keep preparing. In fact, another way to look at it is rather than ever saying, I I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't, we can even turn that around and and, and say, I would if I could, but I can't, so instead, well, thank you very much. The uh, gorgeous Italian on the front row likes that one. I might just take you home with me, sweetheart. It's not what you would, it's what you can. Some of you feel like you're stuck because you don't actually like what you're doing right now. You know, you, you have taken steps, but you've, you've arrived at a particular season in your life that you're not very thrilled about. It might be, uh, like Sam, a, a job that, that's not, you know, your dream come true job. Um, One of the important things that that Jesus taught us and teaches us is that we need to pour our whole heart into every season of our life. It's a thing called faithfulness. It's a thing called trustworthiness. And Jesus, and I love this, he promises that he will build on our faithfulness. We might not be in the ideal situation, but even in a less than ideal situation, we can be taking next steps. We can be giving God something to work with. In fact, Paul, this letter he wrote to that church in Colossae, he, he, the letter continued, and, uh, and he wrote a thing to the people in those church who were slaves. Okay, slavery back then was both legal and uh, common. Today it's common, whilst not legal. Um, and he wrote... Uh, some specific instruction to those people who are slaves. Now, understand, you're a slave. It's not by choice. You haven't arrived at your calling, your dream destination. You know, it's like, wow, all my life growing up, I wanted to be a slave. Nobody ever thought that. And yet these people found themselves entrapped in slavery. And, and, and this is what Paul wrote to them. And it, and it, it almost sounds like he's being a bit cruel, a bit like rubbing their nose in it. But actually, he's reminding them that even God can work in this season of your life. Even God, you can present him with something to work with, to multiply, to build on. This is what he wrote further in that very same letter. He said, servants, or elsewhere it's written, slaves, do 
what you're told by your earthly masters. And don't just do the bare minimum that'll get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. It's such a challenging idea, but if we can get this, that actually God is ultimately our boss. God is ultimately in charge. It's ultimately God who we're serving. Sometimes we've kind of delineated between church world and, and work world. And God says, no, I'm, I'm Lord of all of that, and you're serving me in all of that. You're not just serving me in the music team or serving. You serve me in your whole life. And if you're faithful, even in circumstances and situations that aren't your dream come true yet, I can work with that. I can continue to use you. I can continue to lead you. I can continue to take you towards your ultimate inheritance. Now, I've been in church leadership now for coming up 20 years. And uh, when I talk with people about calling, and people talk a lot about calling, and I love that, by the way. I love that, that, that people don't just want to pass through this life doing laps, but actually want to find out and fulfill God's calling and purpose and destiny. Brilliant. And we're leaning into that here as Elevate Church. It's fantastic. But in my 20 years of church leadership, when people have started to get a glimpse of God's calling on their lives, I've never once, never ever once heard anybody tell me words to the effect of, I know God's calling for me is this, but I am not going to do it. I've never, I've never heard anybody so, so, so fragrantly say to me, you know, God's calling me to do this. But I've said no. I've flipped him the big bird. Told him, no way, God, screw you, Jack. I ain't going to I've never, ever heard anyone so, so, you know, honestly say that. And maybe it's because they're, they're, you know, suitably terrified of God. But here's what, here's, here's the version that does come out a lot of the time. <clears throat> When I, insert blank, then I, finish sentence, God's calling. When I get the bigger house, then I'm going to invest more time in my family. Well, I know people with big houses and heated pools and they hate each other. When I get the better job, then I am going to work hard in that. But if we truly believe that God builds on faithfulness and that ultimately promotion comes from God, we, we better not put these conditions up because they're actually roadblocks to our progress. When I eliminate debt, then I am going to start giving. Yet God promises that when we actually give, into his church, into his kingdom. He gets involved in our financial world and helps us, adds perspective and horsepower and blessing and favor into our lives that, that, that can see our financial situation improve. You know, we've got some poster boys and poster girls here at Elevate who, who aren't hiding behind conditional obedience because conditional obedience is actually disobedience. 
If God tells us to do it one way and to do it now, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And I love that. Baden Johnson, one of our poster boys for someone who's just said yes to God. Baden works a high-level job, long hours, a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility. He has to travel interstate and overseas regularly. And I've never heard Baden say, when I get a job that's, you know, shrunk-wrapped and everything's convenient, then I am going to serve God. Baden's launched an Elevate group for, for blokes. And God's building this uh, group of strong guys there. And Baden's taking that beyond that to, to want to see them release to launch their own Elevate groups uh, in the coming months and years to follow. Instead of saying, I don't have the time. When I have Carlene, Carlene Goodall. I could see last week, Carlene, because you're in the front row and you had the brightest red shoes I've ever seen in my life. But uh, this week, you turn the volume down a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, Carlene's got, and, and her husband Pete, but Carlene has got three kids under the age of five. And, 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 and that could be a reason for her to, and by the way, being a mom is, is one way you serve God. So don't think I'm going to be able to start that war here. So I don't believe that it's not, or you're not serving God because you're just a mom. Yeah, right. Good. No. Um, but Carlene had this sense that, 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 that she could contribute even more to the kingdom. And uh, despite having three young children under the age of five last year, launched an Elevate group and had a group of women in her home every couple of weeks. Not saying when my kids you know, go to school, then I can make my better contribution to the kingdom. I love that. Jess Judd, right now, she's increasingly pregnant and, well, I'm not sure you can be increasingly pregnant. I guess you either are or you aren't. But uh, anyway, I'm not a biology professor. Um, she, uh, you know, the, her and, and Chris, you know, Jess has, has a, a little baby boy. Oh, he's growing fast, obviously. But uh, Jeremiah, and he's been here since day one. Uh, and she just comes. She comes here every single Sunday morning early to be part of our Elevate Kids team. And uh, she gives Jeremiah a toy while they're setting up here. Play with that. Don't kill anybody. And she goes and sets up. Now they give him an iPad. He's sort of at that age, digital portable babysitter. And, uh, and she gets, gets in and sets up and serves God and invests in our kids every single week. I, I don't recall her ever being in here with all of us old people. And, and, and she's not saying when I... Then I, she just said, God, if that's what you want me to do now, I'm in. Unconditionally, I'm in. And I love that. And this, this applies to all aspects of our lives. You know, I mentioned giving earlier. It's a classic. It, the, the video we showed at the bumper at, at the beginning of this kind of alludes to this idea. And, and let me ask you, has anyone ever asked the question or had someone ask them the question, uh, what would you do if you won the lottery? You ever, ever had that old chestnut you asked of you? Yeah, or you asked of someone else. And look, I think there's a reasonably generic kind of way to answer that. And, I, and I, I'm just guessing, but I'm, I'm kind of guessing that, 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 that probably we would have a lot of overlap in our answers you know, the classics, well, you know, if you've got a mortgage, I'd pay off my mortgage. And uh, if you've got an old crappy car, I'd, I'd, I'd buy a, a better car. And, 
Um, you know, if you're overdue for a holiday, oh, I'd go on a, go on a holiday. And, and if, you, if maybe some of your rellos, uh, you might, you know, flick them some bucks. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd give my mom something. I'd give my brother something. Fantastic. And, uh, and, 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 and I'd, give, I'd give some to my church. And, I, and I'd give some to Elevate Global. And I'd give, I'd give some to this charity. And, and we kind of rattle off all of, all of this, these lofty, lofty ambitions that all scream of us being generous. I mean, they'll scream of, I mean, paying off our own mortgage, that's kind of a, a self thing, but, it, but it's still a good thing to do. But all this other stuff, we sort of, you know, we broadcast just how generous we would be. I would be so generous. And, and yet, the better question is, what are you doing now? Are you generous now? Because it's not what you would, it's what you can. Now, final thought. And it's confession time, people. We're going to do a kind of a mutual confession thing. I want to know if you're willing to out yourself. I want to know how many of you, like me, are all or nothing people. How many all or nothing people do we have here? You know, you know, you know, leave your hand. You know, you know, if you can't do it all, you prefer not to do it at all, right? Right? Okay, well, let me, okay, good. It's not as many of us as I thought. But let me speak to the elite few that raised their hands just now. Um, and let me speak as a recovering perfectionist. My name is Mark, and I'm a perfectionist. And you say, hello, Mark. Yes, that's right. See, some of you shouldn't know that that's the correct re- protocol. Back to my water. Well... For you all or nothing people who live with this idea that unless I can grab the thing that's over the horizon, I'm not even going to launch out on the journey. Three words to you. Progress trumps perfection. We will never ever actually reach perfection. I, like, I still like to aim in that direction, even as part of my recovery journey. You know, I don't aim for sloppy. I still aim towards doing things well, but, but I don't let it paralyze me from starting out on the journey that God's called me to because progress trumps perfection. And we can actually improve and upgrade and iterate along the journey. Only, though, if we actually embark on the journey I love, uh, and you, know, you guys know this at Elevate, we're big fans of the, of the team from Thank You Water and, and uh, we, we support them in every way we can. Uh, if you don't know their story, little catch up. A Melbourne guy at the age of 19, a guy named Daniel Flynn was in university and uh, he became increasingly aware of, the, of the, the, the global shortage of clean drinking water and, and the various uh, social and physical ills and mortality rate and so on that, that, that's accompanied by not having access to clean drinking water. And so at the age of 19, while still a university student, he launched uh, the social enterprise Thank You Water, where it, by, to buy one bottle of water provides clean drinking water to somebody for one month. And uh, just so simple. Uh, but for, for those of you who are perfectionists, you need to understand if Daniel Flynn had said, well, I can't provide drinking water to everyone in the world who needs it, so I'm not going to provide it to anyone, we'd think he's a moron. 
right? But he didn't. This one bottle. Yeah, but, but it provides one month's drinking water to somebody because progress trumps perfection. One of our other social enterprises that we're big fans of, I was reading their feed on Facebook this morning, and one of the uh, social uh, innovators named Charles Lee, uh, they put this photo up, and I think this is additionally instructive for those of you who are um, hopefully about to become recovering perfectionists, for you all-or-nothing people. Think big, start small, keep moving. It's good, huh? I think that speaks even to Elevate. You know, it's our first birthday today. Think big, start small, keep moving. And we're going to tick all three of those boxes, and uh, we're going to keep moving. Because fact number five about change is it's not what you would, it's what you can. So there's something right in front of you. There's something right in front of you. There's a change you can make right in front of you. There's a step towards your bigger calling. There's a step right in front of you. I can't tell you what that is. God can help you see it. But ultimately, it comes down to whether you are going to obey it and just take that next step. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a word picture that the psalmist used in the old part of the Bible. He talks about God having a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. This, this idea of this is kind of this broadcast kind of we can see into the future kind of in a sort of a broad sense. There's a light to my path, but there's a lamp, a very focused, intense unidirectional beam of light to my feet. And, and we, we can actually look to both, right? We can look to both. But the, the light to my path, to my future is useless if we don't actually then also look at what's the next step. Where's the lamp focusing on and step in that direction? As I said, the path isn't linear, but it's our progress that will trump perfection. It's our progress that Paul talked about when he said, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to follow him. Continue to obey him. Don't just think of it as a one-time decision. I went from out to in. It's I went from following Jesus to following Jesus to at one point saying, you are the son of God, the Messiah, the risen Lord. I see that. I believe that. I acknowledge that. I want you to be my Lord. And I'm going to continue to follow you, to take next steps, to be transformed. It's a whole lot of pressure off us when we realize it's actually not us that does the transforming. It's also a whole lot of pressure off the people around us when we realize it's not our job to do their transforming. But it is our job to continue to live our lives in him. And actually, even for some of you, your next step today is going to be to cross over that line where you may, yeah, you may know a bit about Jesus. You may have kind of circulated in and out of church growing up. I don't know. But some of you haven't actually made that decision. It's quite likely in a group this size, some of you haven't actually made that decision to say to Jesus, wow, I I actually get who you are. I actually get who you really are. You are who you say you are. You say you're the son of God. 
You did come to this earth. You did die. You did die on a cross. You did rise again from the grave. And wow, I actually want to place my trust in you. I want to actually give my life to you. And for those of you that have never made that decision, that's your next step today. I want to strongly encourage you that that's your next step today. That's your opportunity. In a moment, and we're going to give you that opportunity. And we're just going to keep it real simple. If you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I trust you. I acknowledge who you are, that you're the son of God. And I want to actually make you my Lord. I want you to put you in charge of my life. Then I just want you in a moment just to put your hand up. And you're putting your hand up. I'll see it. I'll ask you to put it down. But you're not putting your hand up to me so much as you're putting your hand up to God. I'm saying, yep, I'm making that decision today. So for those of you that have never made that decision right now, just slip your hand up. And when I see your hand, you can put it down and then we're going to pray. And we, we do this every single week because we don't want to give... We don't, want, we don't want to have you miss this opportunity to make what is the most important decision you will ever make. So just for those of you that need to make that decision, just slip your hand up real quickly. Okay. And then I'll, I'll see your hand. You can put it down. And then we're going to pray. All right. We had somebody make that decision last week. We're going to continue to pray and see God use us more, break through to see people come to know him every single week and, and, and as we continue to journey every single day. The new rules of resolution. Thus endeth the five weeks, but it's really just the beginning of that journey. And we've got these five facts. We're going to actually hang them up in our, in our foyer throughout this year to remind us. Keep leaning into that. If you need to go back and listen to some of the podcasts, you can. Next week, no show Sunday. And we're going to do things a little bit differently next week. Um, now, it's our first birthday. So um, many of you I know are going to be part of our long table lunch, which is in Hall 2 at 12 noon. We'll be opening the doors, so, and uh, Jess Everson will just be there to check you in, so letting you know that. Uh, in the meantime, there's plenty of coffee, and this week's coffee, Vicky, is black. <laughs> blend, blend 43, Maxwell House, black and gold. Brazilian Dolce, freshly roasted by ants in your pants. It, it is very nice. I quite enjoyed it. Wonderful. Okay, lots of first-time guests, so make sure you meet them, make them feel welcome. And uh, for those of you that are coming to lunch, we'll see you at lunch. <laughs>